What's up, everyone? This is episode number 90 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. I want to start off this week by thanking those of you that went to the Dallas show and posted pictures and video on social media. A lot of people were dubbing that the replacement national. Um, And I've been to a couple 100 table shows here in Florida, but this Dallas show looked a lot bigger. So I can see why they were calling it that. I can only imagine some of the things that the cameras didn't catch. Anyway, thanks for letting all of us collectors live vicariously through your videos and your posts and your stories. All right. At the same time, there's a lot going on in the NBA right now. And I tried to wait as late as I could to record this. My episodes come out every Thursday. And I wanted to see a little bit of the draft to keep it as current as possible. Um, As you guys know, all sorts of moves are taking place. And of course, all of this stuff affects the hobby. In fact, I just saw that Clay Thompson has another. It looks like serious injury. I don't want to you know, talk about some of the rumors that I saw. Who knows what will be out by tomorrow morning. But um, so we're hoping for the best for Clay, but it's not looking good. And and I'd hate to see him lose another season. But um, by the time you listen to this, the draft will have come and gone. And I know Panini announced plans to do the instant draft night cards. Maybe some of you grabbed those on Wednesday. I grabbed a couple of Zions last year. It was a cool little novelty item. I'm keeping one for my collection, but I think I'll pass this year. No, There's really no one that I want um, <laughs> to commemorate in this draft as of right now. Uh, the one thing I'm really hoping for, though, and this shouldn't be a surprise to some of you, is that we get real draft night autos in a 2020 or 2021 product. So they were in status in 2017, which by the way, they were really ugly then. And 2018, they were incredible. Um, They moved to illusions Illusions in 2019, still looked really nice. I wouldn't be surprised to see them come back to status. Um, I have a feeling Panini will bring that back as a, you know, standalone product in 2020, which, you know, who knows. Um, But if I see pictures or videos of these guys signing those jumbo stickers, I'll try to post those on social media. Um, We also had a few trades that went down earlier this week. And in the first big one, the Lakers picked up Dennis Schroeder. And I, you know, I thought the Lakers were almost out of assets to move, save for Kyle Kuzma. And they were still able to pull this off. So kudos to them. You know, it helps when you have LeBron, but still, I I mean, they're, they're making some things happen there. So um, Schroeder will help a little bit with the scoring load. And then not long after, his former backcourt mate Chris Paul was traded to the Suns, which I think is an interesting move for them. And uh, now I will say, I I think last year him having Schroeder behind him and and playing alongside him at times really helped in OKC. And and I'm wondering if we're not going to see any sort of drop off on on CP3 soon. But regardless, he had a great season last year. And, And if he can replicate that, then the Suns will be a really fun team to watch. Um, And I know related to that, shortly after the trade, I sold a Mosaic DeAndre Ayton rookie on my ComC account. So I figure some people in the hobby are looking to use that trade to their advantage. You know, I'm happy with the sale. Now I hope that somebody else makes some money off of it down the line as well. I am curious to see what happens with Booker prices, seeing as those were already fairly high. 
but I can't see them going down any in the immediate future. Um, after that, Giannis got a little help in uh, Milwaukee in the form of Drew Holiday. You know, I saw the trade and I, I saw what they gave up, and I, I felt like it was a lot. But it's it's kind of like the Paul George cra- trade to the Clippers. You have to view it in context because that trade got them Kawhi. And if this is the move that convinces Giannis to stay, then it's probably worth it. Uh, now, I was going to talk all about how they picked up Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Kings, and I thought that was a great underrated transaction. That was going to be a sign-in trade. Well, now he's announced that he's not signing with them. So I don't know if the Kings didn't know that when they made that trade. So it's it'll be interesting to see um, what all happens there. I, I don't remember seeing anything like that in recent times, but... Um, we'll see. There are all sorts of James Harden rumors out there as well. Apparently, he told Houston he wants out, and his preferred landing spot is in Brooklyn with KD and Kyrie. You know, you have to figure any sort of move is going to involve some, you know, pieces or combinations of Lavert and Dinwiddie and Allen, but you know, who knows? But I will have plenty of time to dive into the new draft class, free agency, and any other transactions on future episodes. Okay, in the meantime, today's episode is going to talk a little about some recent mail, and then I'm going to close by weighing in on the recent BGS slab scandal, which I'm sure some of you are more than anxious to hear about. Okay, so let's start off with some mail. And some of you guys know how much I enjoy picking up lots of cards on eBay. It's been a weird month for lots, really. I'd say that I've had uh, five refunds in just one month for lots that I bought. One of them was the fake Kawhi and Anthony Davis hoops rookie that I already discussed. Um, Some people, you know, some of these lots, it's just people, they realize they don't want to send a binder of cards for $20 shipped. And I get it. I just wish they would think about that beforehand so they don't get my hopes up. I had another seller tell me that their dog chewed up a lot of cards that I bought, although they accepted an offer on it. And then, of course, they were relisted later on. And I asked him how his dog was, and of course it miraculously recovered, right? Um, I had another one where he said his kid damaged the binder pages and they wouldn't be able to send them to me as as I needed them. Um, you know, whatever. But I had a couple of nice little lots come in over the last week. Nothing earth-shattering, but I ended up with a couple of nice cards like a, a Peyton Manning, Topps Rookie, a 97 uh, Metal Universe Jordan, uh, although it was kind of gross looking, and a Mike Miller rookie refractor number to 199 that I showed on social media. Some of you are also wanting to know about another lot that I hinted at Wednesday night on social media. I don't have any time to get into that right now, and I think I can honestly say it was my best lot ever. It involved ripping packs and ripping fun packs. Some of you hopped on my Instagram live on Wednesday night. You joined in on the fun I'm going to have to talk about that one later, though, because that's going to require a lot more time. But um, for now, my big singles pickup of the week comes from a set I talked about with Tom a couple of episodes ago. For those of you that missed that conversation, we started with the conversation on Panini Next Day Autos and, and how Tom had acquired player additions for Giannis and Curry. I mentioned that I was looking for the standard version of Tyler Hansborough from 2009. Truth be told, I've never been the biggest fan of Psycho T., wasn't a big fan of that pick, but this is an instance where set trumps player. The 2009 draft class was a big deal. 
This was Panini's first year back in the game, and I wanted a first day auto from the set. Tyler was the Pacers' main rookie that year, so you know that's my option. So I don't remember if I discussed wanting Hansbro on the episode or not, but I definitely mentioned it to Tom at some point, and he keeps a pretty close eye on that stuff. So you know, I'm on my phone one day, and he sends me a link for a listing that showed up on eBay, and it was a Tyler Hansbro, and he gave me the option to buy it before he did course I jumped on that so thank you Tom um, you know I know for some of the other years the print run has been estimated to be around 100 and at least one of the years actually had serial numbers on the back 2009 didn't and I really don't see those show up too often so kind of like my 2009 National Treasures Hansboro RPA I consider this to be a little piece of card history that at the same time is themed around my favorite team All right, well, before I move into a breakdown of the BGS Slab scandal, I want to take a moment to tell you a little about Fanatics. As you guys know, there are costs that go into running a podcast, so I signed up for the Fanatics affiliate program. Whatever sports gear you're looking for, there's a good chance Fanatics has it. If you'd like to help support the show in this way, go to www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod and click the Fanatics logo at the top. Shop as planned, and the Wax Museum podcast gets a small commission in the process. It's a win-win. Once again, that's www.tinyurl.com slash WMPod. This is Slick Leonard. You're listening to the Wax Museum podcast. Boom, baby! On to the main event. Several of you sent me this original LeBron BGS post this week. I appreciate that quite a bit. Um, I get stuff all throughout the week, uh, and it's there's a lot of people that are uh, really helpful and trying to be helpful, and, and that's one of the good parts about the card community. And the first message that I received from, came from a listener named Kevin, and I'm going to read that to you in full. He said, Hi Kyle, I just wanted to share a very interesting post I just saw in a Chinese collector group chat. I think you might be interested in the story. A consignment store found that they received two identical 2015 Prism LeBron Silver BGS 9.5 with the exact same subgrades and cert number. Both BGS cases look to be intact, but there's slight differences in the fonts and few details. As terrible as Beckett has been, I don't think it's possible that two exact same cards got same subgrades and same serial number. One of the BGS cases has to be fake. The question is if the card in the fake case is real. It looks too real to be fake, but it's so implausible that someone went that far to copy a BGS case for a real card in perfect condition, which might get a BGS 9.5 anyway. If the card is fake, then the influx of high-quality counterfeit cards in fake grading cases will be a huge problem for the hobby. What do you think? Well, Over the next hour or two, I saw the story pop up in a couple of places, but this message was the only source I saw that mentioned the consignment store element. So I messaged Kevin again just to double check everything, and and he confirmed, and and um, he said he spoke Chinese, and he got some additional information from the store owner. So he said, the first LeBron was sold via consignment in his store last year. The buyer reached out to the store months after and told them he or she bought an identical card on eBay with the same BGS cert number. The buyer sent the photos to the store and agreed to send both cards to them to examine. Nobody could have a definite answer for what exactly happened. 
The store later decided to make the post and let others know about the situation. End quote. So, um, thanks again, Kevin. Like I said, it's great when people come together in the hobby and pool together information and knowledge and resources. So, from there, it started to circulate on social media. And someone on Twitter said that they were waiting for SGC to enter the thread. You might remember they like to pop in and, and like comments that bash the other two companies. Uh, so I decided to have a little fun and, and map out my own screenplay of an SGC social media video post uh, before they could even get there. So, of course, I'm going to take a break and share that with you real quick. Okay, So if I was the one putting this together, first off, it'd be a new Instagram video with comments disabled. And the start of the video is a black screen. And all of a sudden, big, bold, white letters pop up that spell out the word THANKS in all cap. And this then fades into a picture of a high-end card that no one should realistically send to SGC. And then it will close with another black screen in the message, NO ONE FAKES A TUX in all caps. Motion Picture Academy, if you need to reach me at some point this year, my email is waxmuseumpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, uh, if you couldn't tell, social media had a good time with it. We never, I never saw an SGC video about it, unfortunately. Maybe they made one. I don't know. I didn't check it. Um, but I, I saw a couple people post the Spider-Man meme where he's pointing at himself, which I thought was uh, pretty spot on for this. Well, eventually I grabbed one of the posts with the information from Twitter and started a thread on the blowout forums. And I did that for two reasons. Number one, all the, the conversation on social media was scattered all over the place. And I had people messaging me and I was looking at posts and they were referring to other posts. And it would just be really nice to have it in one spot in order to share information. And then number two, I wanted it in one spot for records keeping, because if someone needs to reference this event in the future and no one ever puts the pieces together, it would be an absolute mess to try and reverse engineer. And in fact, I was talking with someone the other day about the value of message boards. Some of you know I'm kind of piecing together the history of message boards, or at least I'm trying to. Um, and he brought up a good point. You know, we're talking about the state of message boards in 2020, and he said it's actually a detriment to the hobby not to have a singular place to coalesce, to hash out ideas, and inform. It works to the benefit of scammers and manipulators that everything is so fragmented. And, you know, I agree with that 100%. And that's pretty much what happened with this. Not to say there wasn't good information out there and people weren't doing a good job putting the pieces together, uh, but it was a lot of work to try and, and follow it. Um... So once it was on the blowout forums, people started weighing in on what slab they thought was real and which one was fake. And as one of my listeners messaged me, he said, there will always be tells with fakes. They may get the most stuff right, but there will always be something wrong. And then he compared it to sneakers and told me people have been checking glue on shoes with a black light because apparently fakes are real sloppy with glue, which I don't know much about shoes. So I appreciate that commentary because they've dealt a lot with counterfeit issues with the actual product. Um, and still several people on this blowout forum chimed in, you know, this had to be a Beckett error and they'd simply stamp two cards with the same label, which, you know, it, it is worth considering all angles. But at the same time, there were all sorts of subtle differences. Is Beckett really that inconsistent? Well, about 20 posts in, a um, poster named Super Dan, and you might remember him from episode 19, 
um, he was on here, he chimed in with a bit of a different theory. Now, in retrospect, I'm not sure if it's entirely correct, but it's important to recognize the process, the thought process that went into figuring this thing out. So he said, this is 100% on Beckett for not upgrading their slab security since 2001. If the scammers improve their craft and Beckett does not respond, then they might as well just close up shop because all trust in their slabs will be destroyed. Here's the difference I spotted based on the Twitter photos that Kyle linked. Beckett flips, or labels, come from perforated sheets. Therefore, there are small teeth on each flip. One of the two gold flips in question has teeth, the other does not. And that was the end of Dan's post. Um, There were, however, still some people that thought it, it could have just been a mistake on Beckett's part. And we were left to hash this out. And at this point, I thought, you know, it, it would just it would be nice to actually hear from Beckett on this. So I drafted up an email um, in an effort to get in touch with them. Well, they had already provided a brief response to a tweet. But once again, all this information scattered, so it's hard to find that. And it wasn't even a separate tweet from their account. Um, it was just, uh, you know, so a lot of people, all their followers could see it. They didn't want to do that. It was just a reply to someone else's post. Um as someone on Twitter pointed out, it's incredible that a, a media company can't communicate anything effectively. Although I think this was on purpose. But um, I was able to get a little bit longer of a response via email. So I'm not going to read the tweet because the email is a little more complete. Um, and while I didn't like the response, I want to at least give Jeremy Murray credit for answering. We don't always get that much from our friends at PSA. So here's what Jeremy had to say. He said, we are aware of the situation and have already taken actions to protect our brand and services. If you look closely, there are differences with these cases labels, but please be sure to buy wisely. It is disappointing, but not surprising what some people will do to to deceive collectors, but we are handling this matter quickly um, and as we see fit. Our goal is to protect our customers, so rest assured, BGS will continue to offer the most trusted Services and products in the industry, the most trusted. Um, Okay, so that was the end of his message. There's a lot to unpack there. But um, so Beckett really, it it seems like, or at least people were interpreting that email this uh, this way, um, that they confirmed one of them was fake. So our next step then was to figure out which one. And I know there were some people that felt like the differences shouldn't be exposed because then the crooks will learn to correct those things. And it's, it's just a, a hard you know, cycle to get into, but I disagree. I wish Jeremy had told us specifically what was different because then it would force Beckett to adapt and provide better safeguards for customers. And even PSA, not that they're exempt from all fraud, but PSA has made some changes over time um, that, you know, where they're trying to stay ahead of this. And trust me, I have plenty of issues with PSA they're light years ahead of Beckett on this thing. And and that's not saying a lot, but they are. Now, instead of laboring over these differences, I, I figured Jeremy could help us out. So I responded to his email and I said, hey, which one's real and which one's fake? So we know. And guess what? We never got a response. So I, I just praised him for responding to my initial email, but it looks like it was one and done. I wasn't going to get another one. So we were stuck with his advice to look closely, and buy wisely. I think this fills out our trifecta of horrible slogans. If you'll remember, PSA gave us never get cheated, 
SGC, of course, has checked the facts, all caps. And now we have look closely. GMA, if you've got one, let me know, and I'll add you to the waiting list. So let's take a moment to put this into perspective. The same company that was too incompetent to do a 10-second Google search before slabbing an altered Steph Curry RPA that they had already slabbed before it was altered is now telling you, their customer, to look closely because scammers and crooks are taking advantage of inconsistencies with their work. All the while, their whole business is predicated on authenticating stuff and looking closely. It's like making a placard that tells people all about your new Eagle Eye service and at the same time crafting it in the style of a seven-year-old. But nice little gemstone stickers you got there. What did J-Lo tell us back in the day? Don't be fooled by the rocks that I got. Now, all of that is to say this response did four main things. So thank you, Jeremy. Here's the four things that came from that. Number one, it confirmed, at least we're taking it this way, that there are fakes out there. So I know there were people that were saying, well, it was probably just an error on Beckett's part. No, I think this confirms that there are fakes out there. Number two, it undermined our trust in BGS and 20 plus years of their work. Uh, Number three, it opened the door for um, different conspiracies or made us question if past incidents were involved. Um, for example, was the Zion Black Label a fake slab? And and I even asked that. You know, I saw someone on Blowout ask it. Nobody really answered. I posed the question on Instagram and people were able, uh, looks like there is a decimal there. Okay. And, and I'll explain, I guess I haven't talked about the decimal yet, but I'll explain that in just a moment. So actually, I think the Zion was a real slab, but it does cause us to go back and and look at some of that stuff because it would make a lot more sense if that was in fact a fake slab. Um, And then finally, number four, it forced us to examine the slabs already in our collection and try to figure it out for ourselves. So what did we find when we looked closely? Lo and behold, more information and more fakes emerged. And I'll also add this was thanks to the collecting community and not BGS. And first off, as someone on Blowout pointed out, things are really tricky because BGS is extremely inconsistent with font, font spacing, patent info, the location of the Beckett stamp, perforation, and more. So in order to really figure this out, we were going to need more examples of known fakes, and we still do. But we got a good one late Friday night from an Instagram user user named Asian Cards. He had purchased a Luca silver prism bgs10 and was forwarded another lucas silver with the same cert number but it had subtle differences on the slab and in his case the main difference was the spacing on the patent number and once we had more fakes several people worked very hard to sort the differences out Uh, one of them was an instagram account called card porn and i messaged them earlier this week and they were kind enough to allow me to read this message in full So here's what they said. It says, You may have seen the post about a fake BGS lab that Asian Cards was sold on Friday. We reached out to Beckett Grading Services for comment and didn't hear back. So we've spent the weekend painstakingly researching the fake slabs against known authentic slabs, i.e. slabs um, we sent to BGS directly ourselves so we know they're 100% real. 
and we've come up with the easiest way to quickly identify fake slabs currently on the market. As you may know, Beckett has a patent for their BGS slabs. This is inscribed on the bottom of the majority of their slabs. The correct inscription reads as follows, um, and then there's a patent number. Um, the key thing, though, is that there's a decimal in there between PAT and then the first number. All fake BGS labs currently in circulation have the following incorrect inscription, and that is that they're missing the decimal between the letter T in PAT and the 6. See all of the images we have provided to see the difference between a fake BGS lab and a real BGS lab. And then they provided us with some additional points. They said, number one, all of the fake BGS labs currently in circulation have the incorrect patent number on them. Number two, if you have a BGS lab that does not have a patent number inscribed on the bottom of the slab, um, which would be like the thick BGS labs and the autograph BGS, um, they, don't, they don't have um, a patent number on the slabs. And they're saying it's almost definitely not a fake slab. Um, because of point one above, it all goes back to that patent number and the decimal point. So to reiterate, all fake BGS slabs in current, uh, currently in circulation have the incorrect patent number printed on the bottom of the slab. Number three, there is some discussion on blowout about other ways to identify a fake BGS slab, but our research indicates that these other points are inconsistent and not always conclusive. Um... However, this patent inscription error exists on all fake slabs and is therefore the best way to identify a fake slab. Number four, now that we have identified the common error to identify all fake slabs, this will likely mean that the fakers will fix this on the next wave of fake slabs. Hopefully, Beckett grading services will dramatically improve their slabs by this time, as it is not acceptable for them to simply tell us to buy wisely. Please share this post with your fellow collectors so they don't get ripped off. Okay, so once again, I want to thank the Card Porn account for that. Um, you might want to check out, you know, they've been giving updates as this thing progresses, and I've been messaging with them some this week, and like I said, they've been compiling a lot of good information, so thank you. Um, but now, that's kind of where we're at. We ha I've never seen a, another official statement from Beckett. Um, we're still looking for examples of fake slabs so we can try and figure this thing out just to see, you know, if there are any other nuances we need to be aware of. And um, I feel like if this were a year ago, this would probably be, who knows, a 50 plus page thread on the blowout forums. But as you guys have seen with each passing scandal, people are becoming more and more desensitized. And for the sake of the hobby, I hope we can step back and recognize the at least the potential severity of the situation. I'm also under the impression that Beckett might have known about this before it was outed to the general public, but that's just a guess. I don't have anything that really leads me to believe that strongly. It's just a guess. And I don't want to spend a lot of time making assumptions when there are a couple of cold hard facts that we have to deal with. Number one, very simple. There are fake slabs on the secondary market. And then number two, a lot of people are worried about buying BGS cards going forward. Okay, so this is the point in the show where I try to issue some sort of call to action, and we have dealt with BGS before. Some of you might remember, and I already mentioned it here, but they slabbed an altered curry both before and after it was altered, um, a curry RPA, and we used that as the driving force to get them to track serial numbers, which supposedly they're doing now. <laughs> 
Um, and that was, you know, because your voice was heard. When I reached out to them, they indicated they got numerous emails from you guys. So once again, I want you to know that your voice can and should be heard. And I think about the reach of this show sometimes. Right now, there are roughly a thousand people that will listen to this episode in the first week. And knowing that, I had to ask myself, if if we could get a thousand people, many of them BGS customers, to come together and send a message to Beckett, what would it be? What do we as a hobby need from them right now? Even though their brief response to look closely and, and buy wisely was, in my opinion, insulting and inconsiderate towards collectors and customers, I don't anticipate any sort of apology, um, or at least a sincere one, knowing who it's coming from. Instead, I think the collecting community would benefit more from two specific things. Clarification on what's actually going on, like which slabs are real, which ones are fake, and assurance that Beckett is doing something about it to protect not so much their brand, right? They're so concerned about their brand. What are they doing to protect collectors and customers, both now and in the future, which then in turn would protect their brand? So let's keep this simple. If you guys want to come together and give this a try, feel free to email Beckett Grading. Their address is grading at beckett.com. Once again, that's grading at beckett.com. I'll make sure to post that on social media. Um, some of you might choose to message Jeremy Murray as well. His address is out there if you need it. And if you'd like a little help with a message, I'll provide an easy sample for you. I'll read it here. I'll post it on social media. And I can post it on the blowout forums if I need you to make it easy to copy and paste. Now, my suggestion would be to add any personal elements to it that you can. So, for instance, if you're a customer, tell them how many years. Tell them how many dollars you've spent. Tell them what this recent experience did to your confidence in them. Okay, But if you don't want to go that far, try something simple like this. Dear Beckett Grading, Number one. Where can I get some sort of clarification regarding real Beckett slabs and the recent counterfeit slab scandal? Number two, what are you doing to safeguard your customers and your product going forward? Thanks. All right, lastly, there might be some people out there that don't see the point in this. And I heard similar things when we lobbied for the tracking of serial numbers. People told me there wasn't any point to it. Uh, that's fine. Now, I'm not going to explain the benefits of that on this episode again. You're entitled to that opinion. All I ask is, if you're not uh, a big fan of this or if you don't want to do this, don't get in the way. That's it. Just don't get in the way. All right. So there you have it. I hope these last you know 30 or 40 minutes or whatever, I was able to inform you or make you think. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have already had some thoughts on this whole situation. Feel free to let me know on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. And once again, if you're upset about this slab issue, channel that energy towards Beckett's inbox. Okay, Letting loose on social media, it might make you feel better. It might be easier, but it's unlikely to encourage any change on their part. Blow that inbox up. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe rate and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. Shop through my Fanatics link and I'll get a small cut. Until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.